Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. Growing up in a third world country, but having had the privilege to make a life abroad has taught me a lot about gratitude and resilience. Having also been raised by a pair of solid overachievers who did not shy away from instilling a sense of duty and strive for excellence in their children was also something I benefited from. These are but a few of the elements that resonated with me as I took the time to read up on my next guest and her incredible achievements. While it is true that circumstances such as financial resources, cultural background, family upbringing all play a significant part in one's journey, I truly believe that the power of the mind and the choice to elevate oneself beyond these challenges remains the deciding factor between success and complacency. From the slums of Lagos, Nigeria, to brokering million-dollar deals for global telecom giants, Jane Egerton Edehan is most definitely an accurate description of a storybook rags the riches story. A telecommunication executive with over 17 years of experience in the Nigerian, Liberian, and Ghanaian telecommunications markets, she holds an engineering degree from the University of Nigeria and an MBA from the Warwick Business School in the UK, as well as an executive education from both Harvard Business School and Yale School of Management. She is also the author of the powerful new book, Be Fearless, Give Yourself Permission to Be You, where Jane draws from her emotional journey to talk about women for women, as well as the men who love, nurture, support, and work with them, whether both at home as well as the office. On this episode, Jane and I discuss the importance of mindset, what it means to be fearless, the value of a strong education, always seeking knowledge in order to grow, never watering down your dreams for anyone, and so much more. It was an honor to sit down with such an amazing woman, a kind heart, and a wise soul, whose warmth and smile made this a truly powerful exchange indeed. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 128 with Jane Egerton Edehan. Here we go. First of all, I really want to thank you for everything that, for me at least, that you represent. What I mean by that is because I grew up um, with two parents, you know, who also came from humble means and who through their own will and through their own dedication to bettering themselves. We weren't rich, but we weren't poor. And, but we definitely had some good times and some lesser good. And throughout all these experiences, my siblings and I always looked at our parents with a lot of respect and a lot of, especially when you grow up, you take that step back and you understand that raising children and even building yourself, you know, trying to do better is something that we choose to do every day in every way through our, the actions that we take. And again, I always like to come at these conversations with a lot of curiosity and a lot of, you know, naivete, if you will. And I didn't listen too much of your previous interview because you've done a few podcasts before, but I always so energized by hearing your story as it's so powerful and so human. And you don't shy away from saying that, yes, you did come from very humble means and you've had it, let's just call it not easy, but you always come at us with a lot of, perseverance. And this is what I invite people on this program to actually, uh, you know, tap into their own potential and their own individual greatness, because no matter where you come from, no matter what deck of cards have been dealt to you, you have a choice to build forward. 
you do and it's what you do with it you know you you do have a choice because um, if I, if I look back just like what you said you know coming from the environment I came with like you had to make a choice every day what was put before you is what are you going to do because even you know someone's talking to me do you still have friends you know in the hood and all that I'm like yeah I still have friends there I go there I still have friends there, but it's sometimes it's just the choices we, we made. And it just, you know, at the point where it looks easier to hang out with the girls, you know, just mm-hmm. do whatever you can. You don't have to go to school. It looks easier. So for some of those, you know, then as young kids, I'd be like, don't you want to go to college? No, nah, I don't want to go to college. It's not worth it. Because it, it was difficult for us, you know, coming from those kind of beginnings, going to college or going to university, means you're literally living on a shoestring, you know? I was, I was telling that story that, you know, this is how severe it could be. So I got into university. I was going to study engineering. Mm-hmm. My first year, actually, it was a friend of mine that paid the school fees. I was owing her for like two years. Cause oh, like, wow. I'll pay you back, you know? I'll pay you back once my parents send me money. And, you know, like, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. It was like That's a good friend. <laughs> oh, she is. She's a very good friend. But I was saying that, you know, it was angels along the way, even just to eat, you know, just to have food. You know, I used, to, I used to think of days where I would wait for the fancy girls to go to the bathroom and shower because I knew when they drop their soap, they don't pick it. They feel, oh, it's got gems on it. And I will go next because I will be able to use that no soap. Because really, really, uh, that's how it was for me. My fourth year, it was so severe because this was me. I was an A student. Mm -hmm. So really determined and focused that if there's anything I'm going to get from this whole experience, I want to get good grades. You know, no matter how bad it is, I want to come out of this experience with good grades. But some days it could be very tough. It was my fourth year. Engineering was five years. Mm -hmm. So my fourth year, penultimate, I was almost there. And one of those days, I've just had it. I literally had had it probably, I guess, you know, I probably was indebted to a lot of people. So everybody's like, what are you going to pay me? Girl, what are we going to... Then probably I hadn't eaten for a couple of days because that could get you depressed as well. So you don't concentrate. Obviously. But I was really down and I sat down and I wrote a note to my sister. She was also in another university. And I told her, by the time you get this note, I might have left the school. I don't think I can do this anymore. I think I've had enough. I can't cope. It's so difficult. I can't eat. I can't feed. I can't even get books. You know, it was really difficult. You know, you know how things will happen. Just your low times. You know, probably mm-hmm. a friend bought me dinner. Then I smiled. Then I, mm-hmm. you know, cheered up. I probably went to fellowship the next day. Like, trusting God is going to do this. You know, you're back to, your, you know, motivating yourself. Let's keep going. And my sister showed up after three days, really crying. She's like, I'm so glad I met you. I thought you would have left. I'm like, no, wow. no, that was just one of those low moments. So just back to what you said about perseverance. Perseverance doesn't mean you wouldn't have tough days. You know, don't go thinking you're becoming all strong every day and each day. Is realize and even in your moment of weakness, acknowledge it and just tell yourself you gotta go on. It's and still gonna push forward. I hear this so often because a lot of people think unfortunately at fault, that the fact that you're persevering and the fact that you're courageous and the fact that you want to push forward and you want to call it the grind means that you're not going to have any moments of weaknesses. I'm sorry, you will. There are moments you're going to doubt yourself. There are moments that you will definitely sit there as you said, you know what, I'm tired. I'm fed up. Like I I can't do this. And thankfully, as you put in the great example, you have people 
in either yourself or somebody else to find that fire. <laughs> you mean angels are on the way. And, but what does that say? Because you, you said it yourself. You acknowledged this moment of frailty, but yeah. you didn't let it, you know, diminish the, the mission. You didn't let it blind you from the fact that, you know, okay, let's pick ourselves up. And how do we keep going? Because a lot of people hit that wall and you know what? They just, they let go of the wheel and I'm done. How do we keep going? I think you could find inspiration in the little things. Like I said, probably a friend bought me dinner. And just that gratitude that, oh, someone at this moment of weakness even acknowledges that, okay, girl, you need a break. Come have dinner. That is a ray of light. And you take it and you keep going. You don't always, you, you wouldn't always have it the way you want. I would have loved that my education was funded and I got funds from my parents or I don't know, some rich uncle. It was never that. I hoped and I dreamt, but that wasn't the case. I just had people that just give me a little bit of light and I just cling on to it. So just things like gratitude, very important. No matter how small, you don't always get it the way you want, but take it. It's a journey. You're going on that journey. If I look back now, you know, and I tell this to younger people when they come to me, oh, I, I can't do this, I want to give up. I tell them these stories. I'm like, this is me today. Do you think feeding would ever be an issue for me? I don't think so. Not just for me, even for those around me, those I would seek to help. So you have to keep going. You don't let those things take away the focus. Look for ways of life. There will be people, like I said, you know, show gratitude when you get there. Take them and just keep moving. What I've learned is to take baby steps. You know, sometimes people think, you know, you have to do something, be courageous, everything turned around. I don't think that moment in time, somebody paid all my debts. No, it didn't no. work that way. But you take baby steps. You know, once you get that real life, you got fed, now you're happy. You tell yourself, okay, instead of feeling depressed about this, maybe I should try confronting it one debtor at a time. I would go and explain, I don't have money right now. Can you give me some time? You know, so you, you take those baby steps and trying to com, you know, confront your immediate challenges. Don't focus don't on the bad. Don't focus on the bad. You know, I always love to see the, the glass half full and that has kept me. And I tell people that is one of the things that kept me because I've done some crazy things, you know, <laughs> really crazy things. I was telling some other, you know, I was on some other interview and this lady was talking about, you know, have you done things that you thought were really not rational? I'm like, yes. Because I found that most times successful people is beyond rationality once you're focused. Now I tell it, everybody smiles, but I'm not saying do it. In my second year in university, because my parents didn't have, but I wanted to get these A's and I wanted to graduate well. And that was my goal for myself. And I needed a particular textbook to, you know, there's a course. I know if I get this course, the grades were high, the units were high. I need to get, you know, on my goal is you need to I get a I need this. Course. So, but I didn't have the textbook. So you try to learn, but you don't, you can't give it enough time because of course people give you, you have to give it back the book. So mm -hmm. you really wanted to dedicate enough time to this textbook. Then luckily my parents sent me some little funds. I go to the bank to take the funds. Exactly. If I take out the transport fare to the bank, it was exactly the same fee as buying the book. I chose to buy the book. That was everything I had. So it was mixed emotions. I was happy. I've got the book. But I was sad that I wouldn't be fed for the next, I don't know. Wow. I didn't even, you know, I, I knew that this is a huge risk. If you're buying this book, it means that you don't know how you're going to feed yourself the next couple of weeks or days. But I, it was okay because I was more consumed by the goal. 
So sometimes you would have to make such crazy decisions, like I call them, where it beats all rationality, why you did that. And it's so admirable. And again, because this type of discourse is so familiar to me from my upbringing is the fact that, you know, you say not eating for a couple of weeks, you know, buying a book, but I'm not going to eat. And for, for some people listening, they can't even fathom the concept of, you know what, I'm going to have a meal this afternoon. I'm going to have breakfast tomorrow morning. I can just drive up to the local county. Even in confinement, you can still tap, tap an app and then you're going to have food delivered. But you live this for years. This was your reality, education. And you know what? Let me fend for myself. What does that say about resourcefulness? People are surprised what you can actually live through. And I just want us to, I would just like you to walk us through that. You know, a lot of times you, you're surprised what you can accomplish when your will is there. It, the, like humans, humans are so resourceful. And I, I tell people, don't give that power. We are so resourceful. If we're in situations, if we can stay and think through it, we always will find a way out. Sometimes it's just that we give up too soon, way too soon. And it could be for different reasons, you know, if you don't have a willpower because you're not passionate about something. And that's why I say always go for things you, you're passionate, you desire, own it. You know, it should be something you own. Don't do it for somebody else. If you're doing it for yourself, and I say this a lot to my kids, once you're doing it for yourself, I don't think anybody needs to motivate you. You will be self-motivated because you're doing it for you, not for someone else. And that's another key, you know, in terms of being focused and motivated. You have to own it, understand the why. I say understand the why, because once you know the why, when those times for perseverance come, you know, those tough times, those dark nights, because you know your why, that's your staying power. Wow. Which is true. When you know the why, your why is your guiding compass. And when you know your why, you're definitely going to know the reason why you're just tapping it into and what drives you and why you get up in the morning. But I wanted to circle back two seconds because you talked about when we make choices for ourselves that guide us to, along our path, so accomplished and such an academic, because again, your pedigree and your resume is, is beyond recognition. I feel humble just having you on the show. But you also talked about, you know, having to make that separation between those people who are our friends that we grew up with, who you're familiar with. And a lot of people I've noticed uh, through a lot of messages I get have that problem, have that resistance to, resistance to change because they understand that if I make this decision to try to better myself, which means I will be shunning or turning my back against the familiarity or the common, the common goal, the, the, the common reality that I was used to. And that's where I'm basically going to outcast myself. And could you guide us through that and how you navigated through that? You know, because I'm sure that was a reality for you as well. That was in the early days. It was a lot of guilt. I was really with a lot of guilt because you just felt like, especially, you know, you felt, first of all, I went to a boarding school like it was a government-sponsored boarding school. So you used to come back and feel like, oh, I was in this boarding school and I had three square meals a day and people at home don't even have the luxury to have two or one, you know, and I'm having three square meals a day. Then, of course, as you, as you start to evolve and, you know, you know, go for these goals, you want to, you know, go and get an education and all that, you come back home and you meet your friends or neighbors that looks like they're still in their little hole. So you start to feel guilty, like, why am I the only one looking successful here? Why don't they get a chance? You know, the reality is like, it's like the whole story about the crab. Mm -hmm. You know, you put all the crabs in a little bowl. 
and they're all trying to get out. But because they're all trying to get out, you know, it's like a vicious circle. They all pull themselves down. Sometimes to get out, you would have to do things that most people in those situations didn't do to get out. And that sometimes is very tough because I was making decisions that my environment didn't necessarily, you know, they didn't see as reasonable or they didn't see as, um, look for the right word. For them, you shouldn't, that, that's not the right call. That's like, why you, you're, you're dreaming, you're pushing too hard. You know, don't trust the system. That's not how life works. And for most of them, I think those decisions were really from a place of fear, either their fear of success or just their fear that, you know, why do we try and we might never get it. But I wanted to look at it, the world half, you know, from a, from a glass of cup half full. I would give it my best shot. It doesn't, I didn't necessarily get every goal I went for. I wanted to make honors the first class. I didn't make a first class. I made a two one, but I went for it. And the process itself was very, very, you know, educative. It made me a better person. I'll come back to this whole, I, I, I remember talking to a mentor. I think he helped me put it in perspective because I explained to him that, you know, I, I go back to my environment because I lived there for, for the first 27 years of my life. So even when I was working, I was not earning money. I was still living in the slums. You know, everybody's looking up to you now like, girl, you're not a big girl. You're going to give us some money. You need to help us out. And I was like, I'm feeling so guilty because sometimes I feel like giving them everything. He's like, no, but they didn't want to make those decisions you made. And if you keep doing that, you don't give, your, you don't give yourself a chance to be better. If you're better and your platform is bigger, you can help more people. And that's how you have to sit. So it brings me back to those very small decisions like going to college. I remember a friend of mine telling me, no, she doesn't want to go to college. It's too tough. Where are you going to get the money? I'm like, let's just do it. We'll try and wing it. Well, you know, no, no, no. Why do I have to go through the hard way? There are easier ways, you know. Let's just take any job we see and, you know, just we'll start from there. We'll get married, you know, things will go. We'll get, a, you know, get married to a rich guy or something. You know, that's her mindset. And that's why for me, I say it starts with the mind. The battle is first won there in the mind. Yes. If you win the battle there, like every other thing, I think what kept me going, because my mind has been told, this is where we are headed. People think you're kidding it when you say that, but mindset is so important. But I'm sorry, let me leave. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It was so, so important. So, because each time you were making those decisions, they were choosing maybe the different, the different route. And you were saying, I want to go this route. It looks tough. It's hard especially considering my situation. How am I going to afford it? How am I going to, you know, you're making all those decisions that people are like, why are you going the hard way? Even when I wanted to study engineering, it's just a little thing like engineering was going to be five years in college or university. If I did some other course, it would be four years. And people are like, why do you want to do something for five years? Why waste all your time? So like at each point, we have to make decisions. And sometimes not the, it's not all the time that easier decision is always or the easier route is the best. Most times people just shy away from doing the tough, hard, making those tough, hard calls. And that's probably what you need to get to where you're going. And I think those that have the guts to do it are those that end up, even when they're achieving it, looking all successful to everyone. You talk it's, about the fear. It's never crowded at the top, isn't it? <laughs> it's never, it's never. And it's always intimidating every step that you get because um, I love this quote. The person says, new levels bring new devils. It's like, you know, the farther you, the farther along the journey you are, the bigger and b- bigger and more intimidating your challenges become. But again, you have to rise up to the occasion. 
And it's an admirable thing to know that, again, you have to be the example for yourself and either people choose to follow you or, as you said, I know this reality very well. I know people just like you back at home who are still on their porch playing their dominoes and just totally fine. And that we also have to learn humility as well. And I'm just wondering if you could speak on that, not to judge, but to be accepting, not just of ourselves, but of others. And I was wondering if you can help us with that in regards to, you know, okay, why, as you said, why don't they want better for themselves? Like, come on, why don't they want to learn? Why don't they want to make the sacrifices? Why don't they want to put in the time? Why, 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 why? I struggle with that a lot. Sometimes I can't stand people just sailing, wallowing in self-pity. No, I have that problem. All this opportunity and you, you chose to go the other way. Well, like you said, we need to show compassion and sometimes empathy, you know, because like we said, you have been able to win the battle at the mind level. It doesn't mean they're probably going through their own journey, you know, and everybody has their own time for a wake up call. You know, you probably were able to, you know, get that wake up call at a young age, you know, go for that and, you know, walk on your mind and they probably are still processing and going through it. So I, sometimes I love to sit from that angle so that you don't get to judge you show empathy because it's so easy to say, we were both in school together. You know, you, you chose to go that route. I remember nines and nines, we spoke about this and you didn't want to do it. You're like, no, it's too hard. It's too tough. I'm not doing it. But then you show empathy because we're all at a different place and we're all growing. I believe we are all growing and we decide, you know, there's a, there's a little quote I always tell. I, I tell people that once the student is ready, the teacher appears. Oh, you have to want it. it. Once the student is ready, all of a sudden, you see people that want to help you. You see mentors, people that want to show you the right way, people that want to share their experience. The teacher somehow appears. And that's how I've seen goals that, you know, sometimes you set those audacious goals. You don't even have the resources. You don't have the skill set and you have no clarity on how you're going to achieve them but you've decided, I want to go for these goals. And if you keep pressing forward, you know, keep looking for resources, trying to learn, trying to acquire, you tend to see that the teacher appears, you know, you start getting responses. People start showing interest. People all of a sudden are interested. All of a sudden, everything around you is all trying to help you. So that's why I think, you know, if everybody's going through their journey, don't be too quick to judge because we are humans, you know, don't believe because you have, you know, achieved a certain phase in life means that they have not achieved it because they have not done something right or because they were not you. It's good to give them the benefit of doubt that they're just going through their own journey as well. And once they arrive, you know, once they decide, they will take their journey in the path they choose to. And I was wondering if, uh, I don't know, just as you were talking, um, my question is actually twofold because uh, you're a parent and just hearing you talk. And again, I'm sitting with my mother and my sister was always the brainiac of my three siblings. And I struggled a lot more uh, than, than my sister did. And there was always that comparison. As a parent, you want your kids to excel. You want your kids, especially coming from a third world country, you want to give them all the resources that you can. But I'll admit, I was not the most fun of students. I was not the most fun of teenagers. And I rebelled a lot. I only came into my own, sorry, mom, a lot later. But my sister was always the most accomplished one. But from yourself, someone as accomplished as you. And how do we, how do we bring um, this curiosity and this appetite, first of all, for knowledge and, you know, just not also not putting too much pressure on our kids? And I was wondering if you could help us with that. Because I, I have a daughter. She's seven. And sometimes I have to hold myself not to be as 
very ferocious and, yeah. and to let her breathe. And I'm having struggles with that, but for, not yeah. just for the parents, but how do we help them? You can see all the things, all the possibilities. I'll say for once, uh, for one is, um, I think people learn a lot from, ex- from, um, uh, from examples. I will say that about my dad. So as a young Jane, like I wasn't, I don't think I was the, like the most brilliant in the class. It's like, I've always been the one that is not even noticed because it was almost like, she's just insignificant. She's not there. She's not there. She's just average. She's just okay. But my, 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 my passion to read, I think I got that from my dad because I used to see him read a lot. So for parents, I'll say, yes, of course, it's good to tell the kids. It's good to be anxious, but don't be too. I think whenever you show the examples, they're learning from you. Subconsciously, that's what, because my father would just stay up late reading. He read everything and anything. So you just, you just want to, if you admire someone, you want to be like them, isn't it? So mm-hmm. I also wanted to read like him. I didn't go initially all driven. Like I want to read. I want to make a, a you know, like an A. I, I, that was not how it started. It just started with your dad reads. Okay, I'll read. He's reading. What did he read next? And it's, it's in that way you start to imbibe habits that are really good for you so those good habits i just imbibed them it didn't start with the the dream or the ambition or the goal it started with just acquiring those good habits so when the goal came i could use those habits they became two to you know to achieve the goal so i said that is very key you know I, i say that because like my son you know like when he was four i said like don't drink from the bottle you know when he's trying to drink from the bottle you have to put it in a glass and you drink from the glass then one of those days I came back late from work. I was really tired. I just grabbed the bottle and I started drinking. Uh-huh. He came to me like, mom, don't drink from the bottle. <laughs> so set good examples. And if you can't do it, then don't force it on them. You have to first walk on yourself. They tend to imbibe it. You know, they, they see it happening. They see your struggles. They see your journey and they're taking it on. Then I've also learned that, you know, one of the things you could do is, um, a coach told me that because I was also a bit anxious initially with my kids. I'm like, you know, I'm coming from a different background. And somehow I think that background influenced my drive, my drive not to want to be poor or, you know, to be mediocre. I want to be better than the environment I found myself. But it was difficult passing that on to my kids. So I used to worry, how do I motivate them? Like, they're not motivated by the same things that drove me initially. Like, Food is available, clothing, nothing. Those basic things are there. So that doesn't drive them to want more. And this coach was telling me that you need to create an environment for the kids and observe. That's why it's important to be present. Because when you observe, they're always speaking to you. You You can tend to see, oh, no, this is how he learns. This is how he prefers to absorb knowledge. This is what my child seems to have a passion for. And I say that a lot because my daughter, for my son, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, because he was my first, so we're all trying to figure it out. But for my daughter, I tried to apply some of those things the coach said. So I tried to create an environment for her. I'm like, you know, you can try different sports and let's see whatever you figure out is fine by me. You know, you try this, you try that. Do you know, I found out once that she was like always flipping around the house. Like just flipping here, flipping there. And one day she told me, like, mom, um, the coach says you have to pay like a hundred dollars. I'm like, a hundred dollars for what? I didn't sign up for anything. Oh no, the coach says adults must come. This shows about seven. I'm like, adults for what? Which coach? So I shared up in the school thinking there's a misunderstanding. 
And the coach is like, oh, your daughter, by the way, is attending gymnastics classes and she's very good. She's been attending for weeks and you owe us $100. Wow. <laughs> but one part of me wanted to be like, how oh, can oh. you sign up for gymnastics without me? Then another part is like, Jane, you've been observing, listen. She's doing this even without you. Most things I had to take her there. We set goals together. I'm keeping an eye. I'm like, no, we can do this. We can do this. Can I get this tools? This she was doing for herself. Wow. She signed up herself to get seriously, even signed up for a competition, which I found out. And I'm like, that's what I want. I want you to do things for yourself. Okay. I see you. I see you. So that's some things you have to really learn when it comes to kids is that, you need to put them in environments and you observe. I think that's part of the learning process. Don't be too eager to want to teach and teach and teach. Okay. Because you're trying to learn them and they're trying to show themselves to you. I think that's what I'm doing. I think I'm being, I, I admit, and I have no problem being vulnerable. That I expect so much from them because I expect so much, so much was expected of me and I expect so much from myself. So I have a tendency obviously to do, just do what I yeah. know. And, you know, taking a step back, I'm talking to, you know, someone with experience and you know what, effectively I'm thinking that, you know, I need to allow them to be themselves. I challenge them a lot. Sometimes I invite them to challenge me, whether through discourse or anything, but yeah, you're right. You're right. I should just learn them. What you say is that once you challenge them to be themselves, you're speaking to them in their language because, you know, you're knowing who they are and using that. You know, the fact that I know she likes gymnastics, that becomes a tool. I'm like, sometimes even just to explain a little problem, like just like you do it in gymnastics, you do this, this, this. So that's what I'm asking you. Can we do it this way? And she gets it because you're using, you know, you're challenging them by using who they are to put a mirror and say, this is what I think we could do. There so that's, that's so powerful in, in, in trying to really understand them and challenge them. So, so powerful. There you go. And I really love the fact that you opened up about someone as accomplished as you. And, you know, you brought up the fact that through mentors and coaching. So you're always about building yourself and learning better and doing better and even learning more. Because at some point, even when people tell you, why are you dreaming so big? Why are you dreaming so big? And a lot of people say, aren't you accomplished enough? But as I'm hearing, it's so it, it's part of being someone with an elevated mindset. You're always there's always room to grow. And. How do you think of the importance of surrounding ourselves with people who know more than I do? You have to understand with people you know, who know more than you. Like, you know, you need a coach and you need a mentor. And how do you recommend people, you know, basically lean into that? Because a lot of people think like, well, I'm, I have my formula figured out. Why, why would I need a coach? Why would I need a mentor? Well, how do you speak on that? You said a word that I really loved at the beginning. You said you're curious. I think we should desire to be curious as humans, always wanting to learn. I think once you feel like you know it all, you've just shut the door to open yourself to be better. Because you've just told yourself, okay, this is my peak. And that's where I think you should seek mentors or coaches. I always knew about mentoring, but initially I didn't know about coaching. Because mm -hmm. I felt, oh, you know, you always have to look for people that have gone on that journey and, you know, learn from them, hear from them. Just get their wisdom. So I used to do that a lot. And if I found people I thought were interested, I'll give them a cold call, like send them an email or just, you know, drop by and say, hi, I, you know, I really admire what you did and did and did. And, you know, I would really like to have some coffee with you sometime. I would love to ask some questions or just observe them from afar. I consume a lot of content about them. So I get to understand how they went on that journey. 
but mentoring is informal most cases so you know if if these people have time you know um, how much time can they give you you know what parts are they willing to share and all that but then i i think coaching for me first occurred when i first got some massive job promotion i've been really aspiring for that role for like seven years so now i get it and i found out that oh i don't think i have all the skill set to do this role you know, like some parts i was struggling and I kept asking around, you know, you know, trying to reach mentors and, you know, people didn't have time. Oh, you can talk to me in three months. And I think someone mentioned, you know, why don't you look for a coach? These are professional people that can use tools to help you grow as a person because they're looking at you and your learning methods and your personality and how best to evolve with your strengths. And I didn't know how to, to get a coach. All I knew is that, okay, if I, if I needed knowledge, I look for courses or training, formal training I would go for. So I went for a formal training in Harvard. And as part of that formal training, there was a coaching exercise. You get coached for one hour every day. And I'm like, I can keep this. Why does it have to end? So I wow. told him, why does it have to end? I want you to coach me. Because I find it very valuable. You know, it's a paid service. So the coaches show up anyway for the time agreed. It's not like a mentor that, you know, they're traveling to Japan or they're traveling somewhere else. They don't have time, book mm-hmm. a calendar at three months. So mentoring is good, but sometimes you need structure for your growth, especially if you have goals you're working on because the goals don't, they don't wait for you, isn't it? You know, you have a time limit to them or there's a timeline. So the coaches are people that are professionally trained to use certain amount of tools to help you work that journey. They don't necessarily do the work, you know. You do the work. They hold up a mirror and say, hey, girl, you spent one hour with me talking about this. Are you sure that's not where your focus is? But this is where you said you're going. So can we talk about how we can go here and stop focusing on this, you know. So So someone who can call you out objectively on your goals. They become like your accountability partner. Because like, okay, when we started the coaching session, these are the goals we set. And we haven't gone halfway because you're probably not doing your assignments. So if we agree on an assignment, I expect you to do. So it's really so important, especially as you climb or as you grow. Because as adults, sometimes there are very few people that can then hold you accountable because everybody sees you in that raging light. And sometimes, especially based on your personality, if you don't have people around you that you cannot be accountable to, it actually makes you vulnerable because you start to live in a bubble. So you should always have that curiosity to always want to be better, be a better version of yourself. So I, I think it's important. Wow. So the curiosity is very important. Always be open to new experiences and be open to learning new skills and open up to the people who can actually hold you accountable. Yeah. I'm very big on, I'm very big uh, these days. I've been doing a lot of reading on discipline. I don't know why the past few weeks I've been reading a lot about discipline because a lot of people with this much free time, and I'm saying this openly, with this pandemic, a lot of people have had to be revealed the fact that it's not time that they lack. It's more of a bit of structure and discipline. And the fact that we lose sight of our goals pretty easily because we don't make them a priority. And I was wondering, for someone who's all about goals and who all is about, you know, meeting or exceeding their goals, what are some of your basic tips for people, whether it's writing a song, writing a book, losing weight, getting a new job, or trying to do better, clean up the house? How do we go about being effective towards our goals, Jane? So I'll say for once, one of the things I always say starts with is to know the why. I say that because the journey is going to be tough. 
So I'm not guaranteeing you that when you set the goals, it's going to be hunky-dory every day. Things are working well. So the why is what we're going to use when the days are tough. So you definitely put that apart. You've got to understand why am I doing this? Even though it's fickle, even though you're trying to lose weight to be vain, just accept it. Like, I want to look good in my clothes. I want to look good in, you know, in my pictures. That's okay. For, you, for where you are at that time, that is your why. Hold on to that. You know, that could be, you know, that becomes a motivator. Then I always say you, you should always surround yourself with people that are like-minded. It is so, so, you know, once you put yourself in the wrong environment, it can be catastrophic. Because you can think, oh, I'm immune. I know nobody here wants to lose weight, but it's fine. But how can you be trying to lose weight and you're sitting with people that are eating more than you are? It's just a matter of time. You'll be like, oh, you just pass it on. The same thing in everything you do. You want to go to college, you spend all the time hanging around with people that have no interest in going to college. You know, you have to be picky about your environment because you need them. You know, you're going to be learning from them and they'll be learning from you because they will share their own experience. Why did this? Have you tried this? And all those things are rubbing off. That's you getting resources and tools to help you along the way because that becomes like your little accountability circle. Because you're sharing the goals with them and they're sharing theirs with you and they can call you out because we're all on the same journey. So the environment is very good. It's very key. And when it comes to goal setting, um, it depends on the kind of goals. I'm not going to say get professional help, but it depends on the kind of goals. You know, if, if it's a goal that requires a coach, you know, a life coach, or a business coach, a career coach, a finance, a finance coach. But at some levels, you probably don't need a coach. Uh, if you have the right environment, I think probably what you need is the tools or the professional tools to help you, you know. And I say that big time because it's not every time you have the skill set to, you know, for that goal you're going for. Maybe you need a little bit of training. Maybe you need to do some reading. You need to acquire the knowledge to go for the goal. So when you start off with the goal, it doesn't mean you have all the tool set, all the tool set or the resources to achieve that goal. Now you seeking for professional help, or you know, looking for those tools and resources is to help you be the person required for the goal. So I would say it's something you should you know be big on. And if you have those two things, you know, those three things, you know, understand your why, you know, because I'm sure you've probably written your goals and all that. So you understand your why, make sure you're in the environment, and of course, uh, try and get professional help if you're required. I think what I always say in terms of your environment, you do it two ways. Because what you're trying to do is not just to protect your mind. When both things I've said, it's also to feed your mind. So you're protecting your, your whatever, you know, your desire to go for that goal. But you're also feeding your ability to acquire, to have the skill set or the resources to, to achieve the goal. So I think with these three things, that's a, a good way to commence. That's a great journey. start. That's a great start. Of course, we're always going to talk about, you know, the human environment, our relationships, uh, the people around us, what we tell ourselves in our mind and the mindset. You also touched on that a little bit earlier. But yeah, those are some great tips. Thank you very much. Um, I also wanted to segue, and we're not going to leave this out. Congrats on the book. Thank you. Uh, no. it's, a, it's a terrific undertaking. Here you are looking at a guy who really, 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 really wants to write a book because I've been trying to do this for years now. But every time I have somebody on who just published a book, I'm like, it's possible. So I want to celebrate you for that. And that my question is very basic in regards to when you tell us to be fearless, Jane, are you telling us not to have fear 
at all. Like we're supposed to just be achievers and just charge forward and have no fear. Or is there more to that? Oh, definitely there's more. So I talk, when I say be fearless, the image that comes to my mind, there's an image on Wall Street of a raging bull. I think it was done in like the early 90s. It's mm-hmm. a raging big bull just charging. And I think sometime in the early 2000s, somebody did another statue of a young girl. I think she's probably preteen. She's standing there, you know, arms akimbo, staring at this bull. And I told them, if you're looking at that picture for me, that's a perfect way to explain being fearless. That girl standing there in front of the bull, probably that's the direction she's headed. Now, I am very sure if you really check deep down, her heart is pacing and running. Like she's probably, her arms are sweaty, but she chose to stand there because she's like, I'm not going to change my direction. That's the way I'm headed. You better find a way out. And that's how I want to see life. And I tell people to, to take on big challenges or you know, things they think are, are goals that are insurmountable. You're going to be scared. If it doesn't even scare you, maybe it's not big enough. Really, really scared. But what's important? What do you do? Do you run? Do you become passive? Do you decide not to move? What I advise is move. Take the steps. Take the steps scared. Most things I've done in life that are huge milestones for where I am today are things I did really scared. Because now I tell the students, people like, oh, she's so good. She's so successful. I was scared doing some of those things. I was spending nights sweating, telling myself, if this thing blows up, everybody's going to be laughing at you. How about if it doesn't work? How about if it's the other way? How about if all these things you're doing that doesn't come out the way you want it? So you will be scared. But important things that I took actions, I still went ahead. I still said, oh, I'm going to read for that course, even though I'm scared I might not make it, you know? I might not make it. I don't even know how long I'm going to be in this school. I've not been paying the fees, you know? But you're still going. So that, for me, is the definition of being fearless. You put in the work. You put in the work. And as you mentioned, standing still is one of the most dire decisions you can make because life goes on whether you want to or not. And what happens? And... This is, this is so funny. And um, just a basic example that a lot of people can relate to. I was working this job at this previous company in this past life. I had been there for a couple of years. And lo and behold, obviously, you know the environment when you say that, okay, definitely, if there's a promotion, it's obvious that he's going to get the job, like, meaning me. But what I did is that I never spoke up. I never said I wanted the job. I never said, hey, are you considering me for the promotion? Or you know what? You better give it to me. You know, it could have been very audacious or disrespectful to walk up to my boss and say, hey, when the promotion comes up because this person is leaving, I want it. But I never did. So eventually, of course, I got passed up and I spent years being resentful. And it's only through experience. As you said, you know what? You know what? There was, there was a lot of fear and I choked. And all I could have done was said, was speak up or try or apply or sing, yell, complain. When but, you speak up, you're so all confident, comfortable, you're probably shaking, but you're like, oh, I just wanted to talk. Because that's, that's what happened to me. Just what you said happened to me. There's a time in my career. I was passed for promotion like three times. And I'm like, why? So you're, you're asking people, what I do wrong? You know, what can I do? And people are like, you know, you should have a chat with your boss. You should figure out what was going on. Like, what is he looking for in a candidate, you know? And I remember having that meeting. I, I literally planned it for like months, wow. sweating. I'm like, I, how about if he stays though? How about if like, I don't want to have this chat with you? About, you know, like all kinds of you know, things that went into your head. 
but I still went and I had the chat. And I know that day I was shaking, but I was still asking. I'm like, you know, I just really want to know what it would take. I, I'm really interested in this position. I've applied three times. I know I've not been taken. And sometimes I feel the people that I've been taken are probably people that I think I'm far better than and more experienced. I actually saw them coming to the unit and I trained some of them. And there are times in life, you know, if I go back to those masters, just what you said, you do those things scared. There's a job, my first big management role. So I've been doing this, you know, doing this uh, job. And we agreed that, okay, if I get this, if I clean, if I clean up this project, I should go in for the next promotion. But then I cleaned up the project and nobody was planning to give me the promotion, but he didn't tell me. But a friend of mine that knew about that, because I used to talk to her about it, she called me. I'm like, hey, you've just finished the project and your boss has gotten a promotion, but you didn't get it. Are you sure that you really have this thing going on? I'm like, yeah, we talked about it. She's like, I don't think so. But anyway, I saw your boss and I confronted him. So I want you to go back to your office. Your boss is going to ask you because I told him to ask you. I was shaking. Why would you do that? You're going to get me into trouble. Now my boss would think I'm going around, you know, ratting on him. You know, I was more worried, like, why did she do it? But I still went shaking and scared. You know, my boss, like, let's have a chat. You know, he was literally all red. Like, what's going on here? Why are you talking to your friend and telling her that you're due for this? And I was scared. I remember that day I was scared. My hands were sweating. And I'm like, Jane, say it. This is your chance. Say it. Say it anyway. And I'm like, you know what? The reality is that we had this discussion a year ago, and you agree that if I close this project, I will get the promotion. But nobody's doing anything about it. I applied, and they told me that my, my, my CV was missing. Can you imagine? How can the CV be missing? Is it an, is it an automated thing? <laughs> It's online. I'm like, I even have the, I even have the snapshot of, you know, the, the, the acknowledgement that I applied. And they tell me that my CV is missing. Like, it's confusing. Bottom line, I got the job at the end. But I'm so grateful to that friend of mine, you know. She helped me there. But then I still did it, even though I know you. Because one thing I would have done is told my boss, oh, no, there's no problem. We're okay. Don't mind my friend. You know, she's just saying things. But I did it even though I was scared. So sometimes in life, the things you need to do are the things that scare you most. <laughs> and, you know, what was, what, was the, what was the genesis behind the book? Because all, the, all these experiences and all these chapters that you've gone through, and was, where, as we were talking before the recording, these are the events that shape us. And why did you feel the need to put that in a book? Is, it, is there a bigger reason behind that? You know, my daughter, my daughter is the muse for the book. My daughter is the muse for the book. She's nine. I know you saw her. She said hi earlier. She's so but lovely. She is. She is. I, I used to write, you know, I was blogging and writing for newspaper articles. And, you know, people give me feedback. You have so much to share, especially my coach. You have so much to share with the younger generation. You should put it in a book. And I'm like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I was traveling and, you know, really busy at work. But there was a time in my life I was so desirous of sharing with my daughter. You know what you say? We're so passionate to want to give them our experiences, to share with them. Because there was I mentoring so many other young women. And I'm looking at my daughter. She was so young. She was about three or four. And I'm like, I really want to share these experiences with her. So I decided at that moment I was going to put it in the book. And do you know what I call the book? A letter to my daughter. 
Oh, wow. So that was the official name of the book before we changed it. Because for me, it was a letter I was writing to her. I was sharing my experiences, hoping that I can equip her for life. I could give her tools and resources that would help her. In sharing my experiences, she would learn from them. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to write it for the younger Jane. You know, the young girl there in the slum, hoping that this can all be a dream, or when is this going to be over, or thinking she's going to give up. That's my gift to her. That's what I want her to read. I know that it's possible. It can be done. It can be done. And sometimes all we need, and because, again, some of us are dealing with worse situations than others and, uh, you know, not so fun, but sometimes all you need is that one person, either close to you or far, who can tell you, you know what? Stay the course. Stay courageous. You've got this. Keep going. Because you never know how much one word, one thought, one gesture can just ignite one person to just keep forging on and doing better. And it's a powerful thing. I resonate with that totally because even looking down at my daughter, because I'm not raising her as her mother. We have, again, I'm I'm dad. You know, I'm not mom. But sometimes... You know, I'm I'm quite the, the gentleman who's just going to say, like, I want you to never have to need me. <laughs> you know, it's it sounds self-serving, but my, I come from a background where I'm just like, I want you to be resourceful. I want you to be in the middle of the desert and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm so ferocious and I'm like, you know what? She's got time. <laughs> She's got time. She's got time. But it's so it's these are the things that we want for the next generation, because it's important, uh, not just not just for our children, but especially for girls, because it's not it's not easy. Uh, Again, I can't say anything, but uh, from from a father's perspective, you could tell, like I tell people, you know, when I wrote the book, I said I I want it to be a discussion, men and women, because you have a daughter, you have sisters, you have a wife. So you, you, you know, some of this experience you want to most of the people that have helped me have sponsored me have been men because if they showed interest then they want to help you and like you're saying for your daughter you want to give her the best you know and the best doesn't mean giving her resources it's like what you're saying how can you help her with tools so that she can do it for herself and it seems like the tougher thing to do but in the future that would be one of the best things you would have given her. you have to you have to because you can't just be you know just being a helicopter and just be there for to supply to their every need i wasn't raised that way and what, I'm you do that, what i realized is that when they have a crisis then they struggle mm-hmm. because there's no helicopter and you're not there in the crisis they don't have happen? the tools to cope grit seems to be missing all of a sudden resilience resourcefulness just something they would have you know grown and just like my daughter i'll tell you what funny thing that happened she was trying to get a toast last night and i think she burnt her fingers because she decided to take to dip her hands and toast out of the toaster so i I was trying to you know she was crying i'm like oh stop crying just a little toast burn it's okay you'll be fine you'll be fine she's like that's what i told you i need to let cook it I won't be. I'll be. I won't be crying if I'm used to like you know hot oil splashing on me or something. This is my first time getting burnt, and it's really painful. Wow! What what we are doing is creating you know the tools they will need on that journey because you're not going to be there all through the journey, but you want to reach people that can take that journey. You can't, you can't. And I think that this is the best way that we can serve them is just to give them the tools and you need to learn. You need to, as basic as it sounds, you need to figure it out. 
And, you know, for some parents, for the parents listening, I know it's a scary thing, but the best thing you can do is to take yourself out of the equation and see what are they going to do. And it's a powerful message that you push because young girls right now need to know that they can and they are able and they have it with them and they have it within us. And that's a powerful message. I know that you share through all the channels I've seen, all the, all the YouTubes and speeches that you've done. It's something that means a lot to you. And, you know, and seriously, when you look down in the past to the young Jane and you see where Jane is now, you know, if you could go back and talk to her, I know it's just a winded question, but what would you tell her where she is in the slums, hiding out and just having big dreams? What would you tell her? You know, I would have told her to worry less. I was so anxious as a kid because, you know, you had this dreams and big goals, but the anxiety of. You don't even know how it's going to happen. So I think I spent more time worrying. I remember myself lying down on the bed, so I just worried. And my dad was like, why are you lying down there? You shouldn't be lying there. You should be reading a book. Go get a book and read. Well, because I, I, was, I was telling myself, that's the future I want. But how can I get it? You know, the environment around me, everything was saying, no, you can't get it. It's impossible. There were no even people like role models. I remember I was just fortunate that I went to that boarding school. So I got to see people like, oh, my dad is a doctor. My mom, you know, people go to school, go to university, go to college and actually do something. You know, they use education for, you know, use it as an effective tool. I was in an environment where people didn't even trust the system. Everybody wanted to survive. They just wanted, you know, something for the day and they didn't care. Think about me. It's all about me. How can I survive? And that's it. It's almost like you're asking for too much. And he didn't know how, because they, they were not like mentors. They're willing to like show you the way. This is how I did it. So sometimes it was peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer mentoring. And my desire to, to, to want to make a first class is peer-to-peer mentoring. I was with my peers and they're like, you know, what do you want to do when you get to college? You know, what, what do you want? I'm like, okay, tell me what's the best grade you can get. And they told me, I'm like, okay, that's the one I want. They all laughed, you know. So you get those kind of, because it was peer-to-peer mentoring. We were trying to learn of each other. Because we didn't have people to look up to. So to that young Jane, that's what I would have told her. I'm like, Jane, just take those steps, girl. Worry less. Use most of your energy to take the steps. Because I took those steps really scared. You know, half the time, worrying all through the night and doubting. Even though I was doing it, I was worried. Really anxious and worried. And I think sometimes it made me avoid opportunities. Because you, you were also trying to tell yourself, okay, Take the ones we can take. Let's don't go too extreme so that, you know, we take the ones we can take. Because I remember the, I'll tell you another story. Mm-hmm. So when I first came from, from, from boarding school, because it's secondary school, high school. So I've been in that shielded environment with all these people that were so, you know, they were so ambitious because maybe their parents or the environment have really showed them all the possibilities. They had visions of greatness. So I kind of soaked that up. And I told myself, I want to be an engineer. Then I come back home after school. So you tell people, oh, I want to be an engineer. And they will just laugh at you. Man, some people like, oh, why do you want to do this for men? Do you think you're that smart enough? Who's going to pay for your education? You know, all those things coming at me. Do you know two weeks into submitting my college application? And I say this because I'm so grateful for this story. It's one of the first lessons I learned as a young adult. Two weeks into submitting that application, I changed it. I didn't even know what to change it with. Because they told me it was too tough, it was too difficult, it was too... Ex- everything 
don't. And I took that information and I changed it. You changed it. I changed it. I changed it to something I didn't even know. I just flipped. Which one is four years, matches the same courses, you know. Do you know, I get to college. My name was number one on the board. And I said, oh, let me just check. Check engineering. I see where I would have been if I'd applied for engineering. Wow. And I went to that board. I would have been among the top 10 students. And there and then I told myself, never again. Why did you do that? Yes, they don't have to believe in you. But now you've got to fight and change it. And change it. So I fought for a whole year until I could change back to engineering. But that was a priceless lesson. My parents didn't need to teach me that. It's what I taught myself. Your dreams are yours to fight for. They're yours to protect. So... That's what I said about worrying, because when you tend to worry, you tend to start looking, comparing, trying to look, you know, because you're thinking it's not possible. You're thinking, I'm too scared, this too big. And you tend to look, instead of being focused on your goal and taking those steps, you start to look, you know, what, what, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And sometimes what you think is not, is you, is your goal, is your journey. And actually, sometimes what you need for it, you've got it. You don't need to take permission or validation from somebody else. Your dreams are your own. Your dreams are your own. And you're the one who has to put in the time, work, sacrifice, and choice to see them through. And that's what I heard. You know, you were decided and dedicated and focused to apply for that engineering. But at the last second, as often happens, you listen to so much, you know, radio dialogue, so much as I like to call the noise around (laughs) And what happens? And then you know what? Hey, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe this is this isn't a good idea. And what happens? That eventually, what happens? You have buyer's remorse. It's like you know what? I really wanted to go to engineering, and then you're frustrated at them, and you're frustrated mostly at yourself. And this is something that we all go through. We all go through this, and this is why I invite people to always the fact that own up to your own choices own up to them. You have nothing to lose by, at least it's a choice that you can live with, good or bad. And I think you learn from it because when you own up to it, you learn from it because that that becomes a powerful tool. So sometimes when I'm in that kind of situation, what I ask myself, Jane, what do you really want? That's what's more important here. What do you really want? They they probably don't get the picture that you see. And it's okay because they're looking at their own immediate environment. People are looking at oh, this is not possible within the environment we live in. But what do you want? Then start to carve that way out. So it became a priceless lesson I learned. And I applied it in other places. So if you own up to call them challenges, call them mistakes, I believe in feeling forward. You can use it. It becomes a resourceful tool you can use along the way. It's a lesson that you pick up and another tool in your arsenal. Yeah. Wow. It will come in handy, I tell you. It will come in handy. Because <laughs> you don't know how, you know, I always say that sometimes it could be lonely on the journey. You don't know what the next challenge is going to be in future. And those are the tools in your arsenal you can put on the table. And then it gives you the confidence. Like, you know, remember the last time, so go, go at it. If you're determined and you think this is, it's giving you sleepless nights, that's really what you want to do, then give it your best shot. And Reach you out. Reach out into the universe and grab it. Oh my God, this is such powerful energy. Is this every time I have to come up on top of the hour, it always seems like we could go on for hours on end, but 
Jane, I can't tell you how sincerely touched I am, first of all, for your amazing and tremendous energy and generosity of time, because time is all that we have. And I want to thank you for sharing this time with us and, you know, and the listeners of the podcast. It's definitely a privilege and a thrill uh, to have you on. And I'm really, really, truly honored uh, for all your wisdom and insight. It's something that, you know, it's definitely about everything that we try to promote on this little program in regards to inviting people to believe in themselves and to write their own story towards greatness. It's going to demand sacrifice. It's going to demand a lot of resilience and a lot of creativity. But as long as we reach out to wonderful people like you, it's definitely something that is possible. And I want to really want to thank you for that. For that. Thank you for having me. It's been an amazing time. You know, I loved it because, you know, it's so authentic and so organic. So you share from a place of truth. It comes Thank from you. the heart. It comes from the heart. Running tradition on the program, as I always like to leave the floor to the guests. First of all, what can the listeners connect with you on the interwebs? Oh, yeah, I'm everywhere. I, I, hope, I hope to think that I'm everywhere. Not on TikTok, but I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. As Jane Egerton, I actually have a website, janeegerton.com. But we'll you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, and uh, Twitter. And, yeah, we'll do that. I'll definitely link up all the web presences on the blog post once it goes live. As the listeners know, I'm very faithful to that. And running tradition, last call. I always like to leave the floor open up to the guests. A kind thought, a quote, you know, an excerpt from the book, anything. <laughs> just call to action that the listeners can, you know, just take to take up tomorrow, wake up tomorrow, and a call to action, taking that next step towards the next level. What can we leave them with, Jane? So I would like to leave you a, uh, a quote, uh, not necessarily in the book, because, oh, by the way, the book is available on Amazon for those that want to get it. It's Be Fearless. Give yourself permission to be you. But what I would like to leave with you, because I think it's so, so important for the times we are, is that you should make the days count. We're going to look back and, you know, look back and say, what did we do with these days? You know, it's almost like we're in a crisis. Some people say we're in a pandemic. But what's more important is you. How can you make this count? So if you have to tell this over again to your kids, to the next generation, you can tell them what happened in those days. So make the days count. Oh, wow. We will count the days. We don't need to count the days. We just need to make the days count. Because again, we might make the mistake of saying, like, oh, another day of pandemic, another day of Every pandemic. Every day you get to wake up and Every still day. get the air to breathe and you have the energy to go. Just make it count. It's a good day. It's a good day. Thank you so much for your wonderful time, guys. Guys, Jane, Edgerton, Edehan, definitely. Yeah. I Please do, do check out the blog post for the web presences, guys, the official website, the book on Amazon. I'll definitely make sure that you guys have all the available links once it goes live. Guys, as always, thank you so much for being part of this wonderful journey of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. As always, from my home to yours, all the way up to Lagos, Nigeria. Guys, stay resilient, stay blessed, stay beautiful, and as always do, stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.